We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T, and my guest is Jerry Fu. Jerry is a conflict resolution coach for Asian American leaders. Prior to starting his coaching business, he worked as a pharmacist and began facilitating leadership workshops in 2012. In his free time, he enjoys traveling, trying new restaurants, and lots of lots of salsa dancing. So Jerry, let's start with that. What got you into salsa dancing and why is it such a passion for you? Yeah, Johnny, thanks for starting us off with a fun question. Yeah, I mean, it's a hobby I never would have expected for myself, but now it's one that I recommend to everybody. It started in college with a really bad lesson for a spring formal. And, you know, I stayed away from it for a couple of years after that because I said this is boring and frustrating and I must not be good at it. So I'm just never going to be good at it. Just a very classic pessimist view. And so when I got to pharmacy school, about halfway through my career there, um, you know, my grades had solidified and not to the point where a couple extra nights out a week, you know, weren't going to change things. So my friend said, hey, give salsa dancing another chance. And, you know, it was a nice study break. And so I actually got to a point where I really liked it. And from there, moved to a city when I first started working that didn't have salsa dancing. So I got rusty, lacked confidence, missed it. It wasn't until after I moved back to Houston 11 years ago when about seven years ago, a friend invited me out to a free salsa dancing event and all it took was one pretty skilled blonde johnny and i just said i gotta bring my a game to dance with her and uh, <laughs> said wow why did i stay away from this for so long and so uh just made it a regular part of my life ever since oh that's awesome so obviously a big passion in your life and and it's nice to find something that you can embed yourself in and really enjoy and, and get that fulfillment from you know, because I think a lot of what's going on in the world today, that's missing from people's lives. And sometimes people can get distracted into things that aren't the best interest for them. So it's great that you found something that you can really enjoy doing and you're becoming more proficient at every time you go out. That's great. Oh, yeah. What about competitions? Did you go in any salsa competitions? Um, No, I. Uh, it's Not really yet. more of an involved hobby than anything else. Like there's a great aspect to choreography and competitions that would add a lot of credibility and I think would shape me better as a dancer. Answer. And for now, I'm okay just to settle for this to say, hey, look, I get my awards are hugs and compliments from the women I dance with. So oh, there you uh, go. If, if that's if that's not enough for people, hey, don't don't take lessons from me. But if it is, hey, you know, happy to share what I know. 
So for now is the key phrase. No competitions for now, right? Yeah, no, it's always a point of evaluation. Very good. All right. So you're also a resolution coach. Let's go back a couple of years when COVID first came out. Obviously, there was a lot of public chatter about where it came from and things like that. And yourself being an, an Asian American, because you started coaching long before that took place. How did you find that in terms of reaching across that divide that was there in people's mindset of the impact that it had, you know, around the world and where it came from? How did, how did you resolve that? Yeah, great, great question. And not an easy one for sure. No, and, um, I mean, for me, thankfully, being in Houston, which is a more of a multicultural, ethnically diverse city, even though we still have our share of prejudice, right? You know, I think you have to pace yourself in the middle of COVID and that, you know, you can listen, you can, you know, intake a lot of things and you just have to figure out who's actually willing to have a civil conversation about this because there's a lot of people, right, politicians included, who are willing to spout a lot of noise for, you know, the sake of shock value or other things like that. And, you know, as much as we want to think that these are the people that we need to engage with most, if their heart isn't in a place that they're ready to receive, you know, information that may have to, you know, shift their paradigm a little bit or maybe reevaluate exactly what they're trying to accomplish by saying things. You have to pick your spots. You know, with COVID, right, our threshold was much lower than what we'd normally deal with in terms of media input, things like that. And so when you realize, hey, I only have so much energy, I can't afford to engage in with trolls on the internet or other things like that. Like, okay, if it comes to a point where someone asks me, hey, Jerry, you know, we'd like to hear more about, you know, your take and your experience. Great. I'm happy to share, you know, my take and recommendations. Otherwise, you have to take that time to rest you can't afford to engage with people who aren't going to change their stance on such a difficult topic. Yeah, no, I know. I understand that completely. And there's lots of issues today that could relate to, right? So you talked about helping people get to that place where their heart is open to have the discussion. Now, I know that faith is a part of your life. So tell me about your journey in faith and how your heart got to the point where you were ready to have that discussion about God. Yeah, great question. So I'd say if I had to look at some of the bigger milestones, in my faith journey. So the first was in high school when even though high school problems are relatively small, but they just feel big at the time, right? When my friends that I thought would be, you know, friends for life who didn't like me anymore, right? The blessing in that is that I realized that I wasn't in control of things, right? As much as I didn't want to admit that. I was addicted to approval in a way still a recovering approval addict. But at the time, you know, the blessing was that God said, hey, you know, he's at a point now where he's more receptive to this idea that maybe there's something bigger than his own control. And so the friend from high school that invited me to church camp, right, I was at a point where, you know, I said, hey, you know what, maybe there's something bigger out there. And so I, with most Christians, right, you just know enough to join. You don't realize everything that you're getting you're signing up for until <laughs> yeah. you're in the middle of the journey, right? So accepted that Jesus was right and then, you know, got baptized the following Sunday. And, you know, this marker is not easy to talk about, but Karen died in a car crash a month after I was baptized. Oh. And so a lot of people came to faith because of her life. And a lot of people even struggled or even fell away from their faith because they didn't have that theology of the tragedy, which is a simplified diagnosis, but that's basically it, right? They couldn't reconcile the fact that or struggled to deal with the fact that a loving God could call someone home so quickly. So that was one marker. And then along that journey, I dealt with organized religion and situations that you realize it's less about person's spiritual growth than it is about legalistic behavior 
and you know, spiritual manipulation. And so, you know, I'm not here to subtweet anybody. <laughs> it's just, if you just understand, if you guys are Christians, if you or any faith, really, you have to really evaluate who is actually looking out for your spiritual growth, or are they just giving you a listianity, Christianity, where it's like, okay, check these boxes, and you should be going to heaven, kind of message, right? So, my faith at that point went got involved with Christian Medical Dental while I was in pharmacy school. That did a lot to kind of set me back straight. You know, they said, hey, this isn't about choosing between God and your degree. Like you glorify God through getting your medical degree or your mm-hmm. healthcare degree so that you can witness to people, right? And minister to people in the same way Jesus healed people. So that helped. I moved back home. My parents who aren't believers, I mean, you know, they just want me to be safe. They don't want me to deal with any employment challenges. So they just say, hey, just work for this, you know, chain pharmacy and just bank away money. And it's like, I hate this. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't really feel like God's working through me, even if he calls me here in this moment. Most of my faith journey really grew after I moved out. When I moved for Houston for a consulting job, a teaching job through this consulting company and got involved at a mega church similar to the one I grew up with in Tennessee. And, you know, initially just really excited about all the opportunities that I could serve, right? There's prison ministry, anti-trafficking ministry, coffee ministry, men's ministry, widow's ministry, right? And got quickly burnt out. <laughs> like, as you can yeah. see, the, it ratcheted up. And God really, I mean, as sad as I was... To deal with the fact that I realized that, you know, the singles ministry I was involved with is not my savior. I had to really realize that God was so much bigger. And what I'm getting to is that a big moment of perspective reset was when I went to Beirut through a nonprofit of Arabic Christian doctors that do clinics in Mm. areas like Damascus and Mosul. And you see these, you know, people who are very gentle and patient, persistent. And it really reset my perspective on what it meant to be a Christian, because now I think I finally had an idea of what God's actually trying to do in a fallen world, as opposed to just simply people to read their Bible, pray, and go to church. And so, yeah, faith, I mean, it's the one thing I have to hang on to now more than ever with COVID and internet problems and, you know, just a a world that has gone mad for several years now. (laughs) Yeah, true enough. And, and, you know, I, I think you phrased it well, because a lot of people will realize that they need God in their life. And so they'll ask, you know, Jesus to be their savior. And then it's very easy to fall into a trap of legalism or religion or rule based, you know, thinking that, yeah, if I do all these good things and don't do these bad things, that's going to help me get to heaven. But Jesus says that, you know, my sheep know my voice and we only get to know his voice through a relationship with him. Does everybody get it perfect all the time as Christians? Absolutely not. Do we make mistakes and fall and stumble and get back up again? You know, we believe that he calls us to continue to get up and to continue to press forward because he knows we're but dust, right? You know, so having that that relationship with him is so fundamental to understanding who he is and understanding what his purpose is for our lives and helping us see the world through his eyes as you did in Beirut. Yeah. When you realize, hey, you know, David Platt said a lot of good things where he asked us, right, are we so caught up in the church busyness or are we actually making disciples, right? And I remember just a quick aside, what was funny was when at one point while I was serving at a church, you know, leadership meeting and they said, you know, how much time do you spend with non-believers? And I said, zero, because I'm too busy running the church. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't have any time because you have this giant machine that you need the people to help run. So, you know, what do you want me to really do? 
So obviously that takes time to develop that vision and that understanding of what God really wants us to be in this world. And we live it out every day. How has that impacted your relationships with your clients in helping them resolve conflict in their life? And do you get opportunities to share maybe parts of your faith journey or inspire them to look to God? Oh, yeah, great question. So yeah, I mean, part of it is like, I think just having a spirit of compassion and gentleness, but even as a healthcare provider and in that setting, right, you just have to be very gentle and you give the client or the patient permission to say, hey, you know, would you like me to share my faith journey? Because if the soil is still rocky and it's firm and it's not receptive to it, you know, it's cute when Chris is like, well, you know, I just had to be faithful. And I just thought the, you know, power through and giving that message. And it's like, well, you know, you could do that. But what if it would be better if you just listen? And, and just met their need, even if it didn't involve the gospel just yet, because you have to play the long game when it comes to that and just be very respectful. Say, hey, would you like me to share my journey in faith? You know, are you a believer? Yes or no, right? And if you are, okay, hey, would you like to hear more about my journey that might encourage you? And so when people realize, hey, you know, there's boundaries here, he's very respectful, they're more likely to even listen to it, right? And to give them the chance to say, hey, I've heard enough. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll stop there. So yeah, you know, if my clients are Christian, then yeah, it's all the more sweet and satisfying really to say, hey, you know, they, we have the same beliefs about life and priorities about life. So this is really going to work well. But even if they're not, right, for them to say, hey, you know what, now I'm curious about this Christianity thing, right? Uh, maybe I learn more about it. And so whether you're, you know, at a point where you're there to help nurture someone's faith or plant the, the seed or, you know, help it yield fruit later on, just I think the more important thing is having that awareness to say, okay, where am I? Where are they in their journey? And how can I help move forward? So, yeah, it's great when you when it happens, for sure. You hit on a good point there when you talked about taking the time to listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? And I think that we need to be aware that as we endeavor to listen for God's voice, we can open our hearts to hear what those people around us are saying, because there's comments that people make, there's statements that they might make, even phrasing in the way that they talk about something, that if we really do have ears to hear and are sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, that's an opportunity for us to be prompted with the right things to encourage them or to point them in the right direction or things like that so you talked about your parents not yeah. being believers so you live your faith out in the open and things like that so what kind of impact does that have on them I think when they see me deal with adversity is really where it comes out, where they realize God really is loving and faithful. It's, it's not that he exempts us from failure or suffering. I mean, in fact, he works through these very things to accomplish his will. And for some people, that might sound like a cop-out. But honestly, I wouldn't be more patient or compassionate had I not gone through some different things, right? And like when I tell people, yeah, I got fired from the job I moved to Houston right there was all this shame and embarrassment and anxiety and at that point you just have to say okay god grace didn't mean saving me from these consequences grace means working through this consequence to say okay how do i need to improve right and not without your help right i mean there's a lot of things i can work on myself on my own and you know the blessing is when i still fail and god reminds me hey come back to me it's okay there are lessons that you may it may take a lifetime to learn but thankfully, you know, my love for you never runs out or you don't, you struggle with this pomper longer than other people might think is appropriate or reasonable. So for them to say, you know, to let go and realize, hey, they don't have to take care of me anymore. My mom is a sweet and generous woman who just wants to spare me from suffering. And the paradox in that is right that at some point that actually enables me. 
right? Because now I'm not growing. I never, this is embarrassing to admit, but I'll share it anyway. Like I never learned to do my own laundry until I started college because she was always <laughs> able to do it for me, you yeah. know? And yeah, it wasn't. And then, you know, when I've lived on my own in Memphis, you know, for pharmacy school, I was embarrassed at the way the, the apartment looked, but I never learned to take care of an apartment on my own. So of course, why would I know how to do that? And so, you know, moving out again, then, you know, I, I didn't learn to cook for myself well until I stopped relying on my mother. But as long as my mother was available, I wasn't grow. And so God, right in his love, he's like, hey, I'm going to let you struggle a little bit because that's how I'm going to help mature. Fine. So for them to, to see that hopefully is a witness to, to God's grace and goodness. And I'm not denying that, you know, I still make plenty of mistakes. But that's what stepping out of faith is, is to say, okay, let's step out in faith and also be intentional to evaluate that experience to say, okay, what did God teach me through that? And what can I do differently? You know, if there is anything that was unfortunate. Yeah. You know, God creates us all uniquely Mm -hmm. and individually, even twins. They're they're unique and individual, you know, and he does that for a purpose because I believe that he's such a a big, awesome God that he wants to show the world the expanse of his character and the expanse Mm -hmm. of his love. because everybody's different, they need to understand God maybe in a special way or in a unique way, you know. So as you work in your field with uh, conflict and things like that, we talked a little bit about struggle. We talked a little bit about growth through those struggles. And that's, as you have said, it's part of our Christian faith. That's how we grow. That's how we get to know God and how we can learn to be dependent on God through our struggles. Because as we come through one and we look back and we say, oh yeah, I can see how God brought me through that and was faithful to bring me through that. So when the next challenge comes, we have the faith to build on for the next one. What kind of themes are you seeing, maybe not necessarily specifically in your clientele, Mm-hmm. In general, from the viewpoint of somebody who looks at conflict resolution, and you see the things going on around the world. What kind of themes do you think are prevalent that we could express God about to the world? Mm. Yeah, great, great question. I think the first word that comes to mind is integrity and that everyone you know likes that word. But so let's elaborate. What do I mean by integrity? It's about how seriously do you take the message right in your own life? Not to prove to anybody, right? Because Paul talks about in First Corinthians. 13. Hey, I can surrender my body to the flames, but if I don't actually love the people that I'm trying to impress, it's a waste of my life and a waste of my resources, right? Me articulating things. If I'm doing it simply to sound like smart and impressive, but the words aren't actually ministering to the people who need to hear it, right? And God's like, you know, you might get some social media likes, but ultimately in my eyes, those are like filthy rags, right? So I think the challenge for Christians really is to realize, hey, you know, how much of my life is really, how much do I delight in sacrifice? How am I really demonstrating in my own life, you know, that we're holding out for a better world after this life is over, that we're going to trust that heavenly treasures are really better than earthly ones. And, you know, if I think if more people were intentional about that, I think that's where the transformation happens. When people say, hey, you know what? Yeah, retirements, sure, I can save for it. And there's, you know, what if I still give more than I can afford to because I know like it's going to bless somebody else who needs something, right? How do we treat refugees? How do we take care of widows? How do we take care of orphans, right? When we, as Christians, really demonstrate we're willing to sacrifice our own routines for the sake of, of service, as you said, right? I think that's when people will really start to take notice. 
Absolutely. You know, because we are the expression of Christ. We're like Jesus with skin on. And so let me ask you this question as we wrap things up. We've talked a lot about Christian faith and, and the important factors of it to express God to the world. So now from the viewpoint of someone that doesn't know God, maybe some of our listeners don't know God, they've struggled with some questions. How do I know God's real? How come this happens in the world? Like you talked about earlier, all those kind of issues. Somebody came to you and they said, okay, I'm going to give you one minute to tell me about your God. What would you say to them? Yeah, I think I would just ask them the question, you know, is Jesus right? Because it's not about whether or not I'm right. It's whether or not did Jesus exist? Did he really, you know, die and and become resurrected? Because if he didn't, like Christianity should have, you know, died a long time ago, right? As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we are to be pitied more than all men because we're holding out for a life that has no promise, right? And so, yeah, if I just had one minute, I would say, I would just ask them, hey, what do you think of Jesus? Are you at a point where you take his teachings seriously? And would you be willing to make following him a priority in your life? answer is yes hey all right yeah let's talk some more if not hey you know he still loves you and when you're ever you're at a point where you're uh, ready to explore this idea more please here's my heart here we go it's very gentle right nothing pushy because yeah and on one hand yes we need to be intentional with the message and at the same time right we believe no one comes to the father unless the father draws him yeah that's awesome i, I think you know it all starts with questions whether it's our own questions or the, or the people we're talking to it all starts with those questions. And, and I honestly believe the world is searching. And that's why there's so many things going on, you know, and, and it'll just get worse and worse as the day gets closer to, to our Lord's turn. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And I just want to bless you. If somebody wants to get a hold of you to look into, you know, what you do with resolution and stuff, how would they find you and, and where could you point them to? Sure, sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have a profile there. That's my one social media handle. But all the goodies and all the good stuff is on the website, which is www.adaptingleaders.com. You can download a free guide on how to navigate difficult conversations. You can schedule a complimentary 30-minute call to tell me more about your journey or situation you might need help with. Or you can just check out the blog where I've summarized useful books and offer other tips to get through the challenges this life has to offer. That's awesome. Well, great. Thanks again for being on the show. God bless you and all the best. Thanks, Johnny.
judge nobody Nobody judges me We're all in this together One big family If you see your brother Start to stumble Reach out and give him Your helping hand Keep your eye on the prize Never on the ground Hey, I'm looking up So I can't be looking down At nobody I'm looking up So I can see just where I'm going I'm looking up So I can't be looking Down, down, down At no one Looking up Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.